Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Abigail Majola. And I'm Toby Moffat, and welcome to November 4th. That actually is the name of our show, even though it's also the today's date. We came up with that uh, title for the show many, many months ago when Abby and I and our producer, uh, Olivia Columbus, came up with the idea to do a show about the day after the election. And our assumption was that it would be the day after Donald Trump was defeated or thereabouts. And uh, I think we, we, we think there's a very good chance of that. So what we've been trying to do for the past several months in many episodes of November 4th is get our fellow citizens to try to not only think about and ponder uh, the, the, the rebuilding, the repairing of the damage from Trump, but also uh, to try to reimagine what the country should look like, as Joe Biden said, to rebuild better or build back better. So we've had shows on climate, on uh, immigration reform, on education, on racial inequality, on uh, the corruption of the rule of law by the uh, top justice officials and so forth and so on. So uh, today we have a very obvious uh, topic and a very relevant topic, Abby. Yes, yeah, so we will be discussing what's happened, um, what's still happening. Um, we have several special guests. So um, I believe actually, um, Toby, you'll want to introduce um, yes. our very special guest, Congresswoman Dean. Yes, do we have her? Yep, she's here. Okay, great. <laughs> Congresswoman, welcome. Sorry, Congresswoman Dean is not uh, on yet. Okay, no problem. We'll uh, we'll bring her on when she when she arrives. We we know life must be crazy up there in uh, in the Philadelphia suburbs today. So, uh, Abby, why don't you introduce our next guest? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I will start by introducing um, Michael Tomaski. He is the Daily Beast um, special correspondent. He's also the editor of Democracy, a Journal of Ideas, and he's a New York Times contributor. Welcome, Michael. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, Michael, great to see you. Um, you wrote a book, sold a lot of copies, probably will sell a lot more. Uh, I know a lot of members of Congress are reading it. Uh, if you, if we can keep it or if you can keep it, you tell us the Give me the direction. Yeah, we, uh, the, 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 the original quote from Ben Franklin right. is, is you, right. but I changed it to we, so to give right. all of right. the responsibility. Right. So looking back on that now, uh, what did uh, last night do to your thinking about what you said in that book? Well, what I tried to say in the book was to talk about the historical roots of of, of why we're so divided and and what we can do about it. And uh, you know, last night uh, didn't make me any more optimistic that uh, things are going to change anytime soon. Um, you know, obviously, uh, people like us, we wanted something more, a lot more than happened yesterday. We wanted a repudi we wanted a repudiation of Trump and Trumpism. We wanted him to lose you know, uh, 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 many more states, Florida, we wanted North Carolina, may even Texas, we had our eyes on in the past couple, in the last couple of weeks. We wanted, uh, we wanted the American voters to make the statement to him and his brand of politics. We repudiate you. We reject you. We don't want anything to do with what you have done and what you represent and, and what you may do in a frightening second term. Uh, that, did, that didn't happen. 
No, no, didn't right. come. Didn't come close to happening. And, I, I was uh, I, I was talking to one of the few Trump people I know uh, today, and he said, "You know, the joke is on the Lincoln Project and on the Never Trumpers in the Republican Party and all those people who were chomping at the bit to take over the party after uh, uh, Donald Trump was dispatched in disgrace." And and he was even suggesting that uh, if Trump, you know, on the assumption that Trump loses. Ultimately, uh, he'll be right back on the campaign trail in the not too distant future, and no one can stop him from getting the nomination. Isn't that, isn't that probably right? Uh, the first part's undoubtedly right. I, I mean, I've been hearing for a long time that if he loses, he wanted to turn right around and run again. Uh, and there's no reason for him to pause, you know, having these rallies. I mean, he won't be able to fly there if, if it works out that Biden's the president, which I'm not 100% convinced yet is the case, but if it, if it works out that way, uh, Trump's going to carry on. He won't have Air Force One to ride, and he, um, he but he still will have Secret Service protection. But you know he'll he'll continue to do what he's doing, and he'll you know broadcast from Mar-a-Lago and whatever. He'll stay extremely active in the public eye, uh, and uh, yeah, he'll run again now. Can they stop him? I don't know. You know, we'll see about that. That's a, that's a long way down the road. We have a lot of other problems to attend to before we attend to that one. Yeah. Let me check with the back, uh, the backstage, as they say, or whatever the term is. Is uh, Congresswoman Dean here? Olivia? Looks like she's here. Okay. Let me yep. bring her up. There she is. Oh, there I am. Hi, Congresswoman How are you? Hello. How are, how's everybody? Uh, uh, Abby said at the beginning, before you came on, that she was anxious as though yes. it was uh, some sort of rare disease uh, <laughs> that only she has, you know? That is the word of the, of this time. Uh, when well, I was going to polls yesterday, I went to 25 to 30 polls, which would be multiple of that in precincts. And the anxiety, that is the word that everybody's using. It so is. how are you, Toby? Uh, well, well, we'll see. Uh, but thanks for, we know it must be crazy right now for you. Uh, and I know that you, um, you, you probably are not only, uh, as I know you are concerned about uh, the top of the ticket and Joe, who you're, you've always been a strong friend and supporter of, but also, you know, it must be sad for you in terms of some of the, losses we incurred, especially from fre with freshman women, colleagues of yours last night. You know, that was, that's the thing I, I can't shake. Uh, surely I should be happy I won my first reelection to Congress and I am, and I'm thankful for people who helped me and supported me. And But the sadness, just profound sadness, when I heard that uh, Florida, we lost Donna Shalala and mm -hmm. Debbie Carcel Powell. Yeah. Uh, people I absolutely adore and, and love working with Debbie and I serve on on judiciary together, as you well know. Yes. Um, but uh, some of these other losses: Kendra Horn, Abby yes. Finkenauer, uh, Max Rose. Yes. Uh, so I'm very sad, profoundly sad about these losses. Well, let me. We have uh, Michael Tomoski here. I, I can't recall if you uh, met. You two have met, but uh, Hello, Michael. Hi. Pleasure. We, we were just congratulations of, uh, on your reelection. Yes, Thank you very much, indeed. Michael. And I should add uh, that Congresswoman is is on financial services and judiciary, and 
and also uh, has played a leading role in trying to defend as many of our seats as, as possible. Michael, you have a question for the Congresswoman? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, you know, you'll reconvene next January, uh, hopefully with Joe Biden as the president. Uh, but your ranks a little bit thinned and people probably a little bit demoralized and, and uh, probably, I'm guessing, a little bit more of the, you know, left mainstream division or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, I, I'm curious about that and what your thoughts are on that and, and whether that's, you know, that, whether that's something that, uh, you know, is going to be a, something you'll, you'll all have to wrestle with in the new term. I'm sure it is. And I don't have an answer to your question, to be yeah. very honest. I'm really reflecting on it. And Toby, you and I are overdue for lunch uh, to strategize because here we are in Pennsylvania. We we believed we would be, uh, I'm still holding out hope that we would be the Keystone State uh, that would deliver uh, Biden and Harris a, a strong win. Uh, so it's very worrisome to me. I'm still watching races right here. You yeah. know, thought we had a very good pickup opportunity with Eugene De Pasquale. In 10, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in 10. Uh, we had hopes, but I, we knew it was a stretch uh, for the Brian Fitzpatrick seat with Christina Finello, but it would have required a, a massive uh, blue wave. I'm uh, Maybe Toby said this, but I am DCCC, one of the five regional vice chairs. So mm -hmm. I have been to Maryland. So I'm watching uh, all of those states and representatives and incumbents, and of course, worrying about Matt Cartwright and Susan Wild. I hope they're all gonna be fine. But we're gonna have some extraordinary work ahead of us. As you said, our, our ranks will be thinned. Uh, we'll have some new members. We will have the majority. Uh, I, I am optimistic that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be president and vice president. Uh, but we have a Senate that will look sadly similar to what we have been up against for these first few years of my congressional career. So I actually will throw the question back to you, Michael, and to you, Toby. What, it's cliche to say we will have our work cut out for us, but how do we do it? How do we mend this divide? How do we listen to one another better? How do we combat the false messaging that is persuasive? Uh, you know, people like our values, uh, like the things we stand for, and then they elect the things we stand for, and then they don't elect some of us. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd love to see from your perspective, obviously this is all just settling in and we're not, we don't know yet where we're headed, but how do we mend this divide? How do we govern? How do we get away from the politics and how do we govern effectively? So we're, we're, we're live streaming, as you know, on many different platforms. And I think a lot of people out there, since we have you and we're not going to keep you uh, very much longer, but um, what, what's, what's, what's going on on the ground there and what do you see as the prospects? Well, I represent, uh, as you know, Toby, Montgomery County, suburban Philadelphia, and a piece uh, to our west of Berks County. Uh, Montgomery County, particularly the, the hard east side of it, is dense uh, and it's dense with Democrats. Uh, we had robust uh, mail-in uh, voter uh, requests. Over 270,000 folks requested of an 800 uh, 800,000 person population county, uh, we had over 270 uh, requests for absentee ballots among registered voters. It skewed heavily to the Democrats, uh, somewhere in the area of 75 to 80 percent. 
we are down now and I haven't seen the numbers in the last couple of hours. We still have 60,000 ballots out and Biden uh, with that 60,000 ballot out number uh, was up 6138. Montgomery County will be key. I think Biden will uh, be rewarded with many more of those 60,000 ballots to be counted. Philadelphia County, uh, an even stronger number uh, of registered uh, Ds uh, and we're awaiting the count there. So I believe uh, the Biden number will begin to increase in Pennsylvania. Uh, so with these last 2 million votes uh, over the course of this next 24 hours or so, uh, I hope that Pennsylvania, we squeak it out. Uh, but it is not at all what I was hoping for. And I'm finding myself trying to um, use the values that I have been talking about, the, the virtue of patience, the virtue of uh, let people do their work and count the votes. Uh, but you can see the disinformation and the nonsense that's going on at the very top. But Pennsylvania, we could eke it out with Pittsburgh, Lehigh, um, and the, the suburban ring counties in Philadelphia. Okay, Abby, question? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm just struck by um, the work that still needs to be done as we um, talk about reaching out to people and trying to widen our tent um, as Democrats, as progressives. But I also want to highlight, um, you know, that when Republicans are in, pow in power, um, what we're seeing right now, right? So like the voter suppression, we're seeing the ger gerrymandering, right? Like there's work to be done on the policy pieces as well. And so I'm wondering, um, you know, what would be, what is on, on the table for the house? Um, because that is still a place we, we, um, we have power in, but um, what, what's on the, what, what's like the top three priorities um, when, you know, session starts in January for the house then? Um, just thinking about how Republicans have wielded their power um, and how we need to make some changes there. Well, I hope that the top three priorities are around this pandemic uh, and getting our arms around uh, this this national crisis uh, with 225 growing mm -hmm. uh, number of deaths in this country. Uh, I've always found it absurd that it, people, uh, the Republicans talk about let's rebuild the economy and then let's talk about the pandemic. We got to get at the virus first. So more CARES relief, more HEROES Act relief. Uh, and directly toward public health and of course a vaccine and therapies. That would be my number one. I hope that is our caucus's number one. Um, you know, number two is uh, I'm on financial services. I look forward to the opportunity to do effective things to rebuild our economy, to rebuild personal wealth uh, and security uh, and not saddle people with uh, untenable debt. Uh, make sure it is more equitably distributed uh, and then number three, I'm on judiciary and there's so much work and jurisdiction there, but let's, let's actually recognize this social justice moment. Let's deal with it. Let's face it head on uh, in the diverse, beautiful caucus that I am a member of. Uh, and I hope uh, the Congress will be willing uh, to continue that work, whether it's beginning with the George Floyd justice and policing and so many other things. So those would be my, my top three. Did we, but did we lose, and Michael, you could chime in here before we let the Congresswoman go. Mm -hmm. did, did we lose the COVID battle electorally? Did, did, did we show up as the party of lockdown and closed schools? Is it possible? I, I haven't seen the exit polls, but, you know, it's Trump was certainly the, the, the in, in, in defiance of masks and 
and safety measures and belittling the number of deaths in a way. Did we lose? Did we lose on that? It, it's possible we did. And, and last night's uh, returns here in Pennsylvania reminded me of what I learned very close up and personally as a six year member of the Pennsylvania House, that here in the southeastern portion of Pennsylvania, we tend to be in a bit of a bubble. Uh, we think people across the state think like we do, experience life like we do, uh, and they don't. Uh, and so that's what's depressing to me when you take a look at the red and blue in the counties here. Uh, I think the Republicans and the Republican held majority in both the Pennsylvania House and Senate yeah. were effective uh, in bashing uh, Governor Wolf and, and other governors like him uh, for trying to take the right steps to protect folks and the economy. Uh, but but um, I don't think um, I don't I don't like what the vote reflects in terms of that argument. Yeah. Did you. Um, um you you won your district is is pretty democratic and and you won 58 42 roughly but did you notice uh, I, we all noticed nationally all of us of course that there was a much bigger republican turnout than we anticipated and they seem much better organized on the ground nationally than we all thought did you encounter that in your district as well i thought uh the democrats were incredibly uh, organized. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I voted, as I went to polling place after polling place, uh, I was stunned at the lines, particularly in the first half of the day, uh, which I kept looking at and saying, is this a reflection of a very strong Republican turnout? But what did surprise me, Michael, was there was no drama. Yeah. You know, election day after election day, there are squabbles, there's bickering, there's almost shoving, you know, and I really expected that. So maybe that is a reflection that the Republicans were more disciplined mm -hmm. than we expected. Yeah. I will say, however, <clears throat> we were so closely watched, uh, and I thought the Democrats did a phenomenal job. Uh, folks came out of the woodwork to be at polling places. We had folks coming in from New York, D.C., Maryland, New Jersey, uh, to be poll watchers, uh, just to make sure things were going uh, as smoothly as possible. Um, but uh, I, I think you're right. I think we mis, uh, misunderstood uh, the, the robustness uh, of uh, the Republican. Uh, I, I'm surprised, frankly, at the discipline. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. But I'm hoping, I still am holding out some hope uh, that Pennsylvania will still fall in the Biden column. Uh, there's an awful lot to learn from, from this election cycle. Yeah. Thank you, Congresswoman. Thanks for being with us. I know you've got to run. Thank you. And, uh, Another we'll thank see, you for inviting me. We'll see you soon, huh? Good to be with all of you. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. So we, I think we have another guest. Uh, uh, hopefully, has uh, has arrived. Uh, is Don Bear with us? There he is. Hi, how are you, Don? Hey, Toby. Hi, Mike. Hey, Don. You guys know each other, we uh, do. Don. You, I, I, I think you know my co-host Abigail. Hi, Abigail. Oh, how nice are you doing? Nice to see you. So, Don, uh, Don was uh, communications director for. President Clinton some years ago, but has been doing all sorts of other really interesting things, politically, culturally, uh, leadership position with um, the board of, of PBS, uh, leader at uh, Burston Marsteller until uh, a short time ago. So uh, how are you feeling and, and what are you taking from this, Don? Well, like, 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 most people probably on this call and many people around the country, I'm, uh, I'm 
pretty despondent. I'm uh, I'm down today. Uh, this is not a great outcome. Um, regardless of what happens in the presidential, and we're all hopeful that uh, uh, Joe Biden is going to prevail, but uh, it it's a sign that uh, the country is every bit as divided as we have sort of maintained it is, and uh, that in some respects we live in different countries. And um, I guess there are many things to be said about it, but one of the things that I've been thinking all day is how little we've learned in four years. Uh, and how little we have come to understand uh, what motivates the people who do vote for Donald Trump uh, and and why they have and uh, what should be done in order to uh, reach out to them in a more effective way than I think the Democratic Party has done. In fact, I would argue, and it's been talked about a couple of times here, I don't think there was much outreach at all. Uh, there's we, we see in some districts, some states, uh, obviously, it's going to perhaps make the difference in the outcome here that there was an, there was marginal outreach and there was uh, slightly more effective turnout of, of some of the sort of fundamental base of votes. But I don't think we have done much at all to widen our base and to understand it. And it, it starts with uh, appreciating, uh, frankly, that there is more than only vile racism that lies behind or sexism that lies behind uh, the Trump vote. And I'm not saying it's not there, and I'm not trying to condone anything that, that any of the people who did vote for Trump uh, have been motivated by, but I think there's a lot more to it than that. And until we stop trying to characterize it as principally or only that, uh, I don't think we're going to come to terms with it. And that's number one. Number two thing is, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to be pretty blunt about it. I'm not sure what the Democratic Party agenda appealing to that those people is. It would say to them, this party and its plan for you is going yeah. to help you through the vast economic changes that we're experiencing in the country and the world mm -hmm. better than anyone else is going to do. Yeah. Good point. But when you just to make clear, when you say outreach, and I'd like to get Michael's view on this, too. Um, did we handicap ourselves by being mask compliant and doing virtual as opposed to in-person campaigning while the Trump people were doing in-person door-to-door type things? Or is that not a big Well, those are, those are two questions. You could have been mask compliant and done more on the ground. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, look, we fell into the trap that uh, the uh, Democratic candidate fell into in 2016, was, which was to think that you can um, interact with human beings the same way online and through tweets that you would do when you're actually talking to them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's no substitute for the human contact and getting out there and uh, knocking on the doors and talking to people and listening to them. Um, and I don't know, but tweets are not listening. Tweets are not hearing what people are really telling you. So I think yeah. uh, I think our ground game uh, was inferior to theirs. Yeah, I think on the masks, uh, you know, seventy-four percent of people say they wear masks every time they go out, uh, including fifty-eight percent of Republicans, or something like that. So it, I don't know. We, I guess we don't believe any polls anymore. But if if you believe those polls, yeah, and it was not a stupid play. It was it was the smart, responsible play, I guess. But maybe it did hurt around the margins. I don't know. I've wondered that myself since this morning, Toby. On the question on the on the issues that Don was discussing, 
I'd say this, uh, you know, the Democrats had a handful of choices of people they could nominate, and they chose the one person from their top tier of candidates who was like the lunch pail guy who, 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 who would, by, just by dint of standing there, were, would reach out to those people. And I would disagree with you, Don, uh, in, in this uh, uh, regard. I think Biden said a lot to those people, to America, about what he was for, about what the content of Build Back Better meant. Those speeches he gave in Michigan over the summer, those speeches he gave in, in Pennsylvania over the summer, talking about you know building things in America and bringing, bringing companies back to the United States and making things here and employing people and, and hiring tens of thousands of people to you know cap leaking you know natural gas wells and all the stuff that he talked about. I mean, I thought he put a, a, as much meat on that bone as you can reasonably expect a candidate to put. Yeah, and so and I, I mean, we could spend a lot of time on this. Yeah. I disagree. I, Toby, you know, I'm going to have to go soon, which is not uh, not the right thing to do because there's a good conversation <laughs> to be had here. Um, I would just say this is a fundamental communication thing for me. Yeah, showing is more important than telling. Yeah. And um, I don't think we've shown uh, what it is we're going to do. It's one thing to say we're going to bring them all back. We're going to bring jobs back. But until we can show them plans and actually, for that matter, things that are working already in different parts of the country and how we're going to scale those things, uh, a lot of those people are left feeling pretty helpless yeah. about what their role is. And again, I'm not trying in any way to excuse or condone uh, at the end of the day, what I think is an abysmal judgment uh, that's been made. But yeah. it, it, when, when north of 65 million people make that judgment, no matter who wins the election, we know that we're not doing something right. That's my view. John, as you know, and then we'll let you go. Um, we reached out or I reached out to you months and months ago to ask about the idea of the concept of this, this kind of discussion and reimagining the country after Trump. Now, to a certain extent, you know, we're curtailed from reimagining because he's still around. And even in defeat, he'll probably be back on the campaign trail. And the bad news for the Lincoln Project and uh, the Senator Rubio's and others who were thought to maybe be poised to take over the Republican Party is that Trump is obviously the favorite to get the nomination next time if he loses this time. Uh, so the question is, and, and, and we'll let you go, and we can we can discuss this with Michael before we close. I mean, is there a reimagining to be done here? Uh, what does Joe have to work with? Joe, I mean, the the whole idea of uh, Republicans for fiscal discipline is gone. So presumably, you can do a big infrastructure initiative. Uh, there are things he can do where he doesn't need the Congress. He doesn't need a deadlocked. Uh, uh, Congress and Senate, uh, whether it's rejoining Paris on climate or uh, redoing a deal on the uh, Iran uh, uh, nuclear issue or whatever. So what are our hopes for, I mean, we're sort of down here now, right? We're sort of psychologically down, but if if you wake up tomorrow or the next day and you know that there's a Biden presidency. I, I mean, look, Toby, I would, um, you know, I think the Biden administration, President Biden, needs to come forward with an aggressive, ambitious plan for the country. Um, you know, we've been divided before, and we've been divided in crisis before, and 
the way forward that uh, brings us back together, not an automatic thing by any means, is leadership that is aiming to create opportunity for everyone or for many people and not just for a few. And, um, you know, look, I'd look to FDR. That's what I'd be looking to now. And that doesn't mean he's going to get everything through the Congress, but that sure as heck is a fight that's worth taking on uh, for the sake of the American people. But I think beyond the American people for the sake of America, because I'm worried about our country right now and how long we stay together. And I think the only way to stay together is to be bold about it. Great. Well, thanks, Don. Thanks for joining us. Michael, can we get your thoughts on the on the Biden administration before we go? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that, well, first of all, there is a slim chance, I guess, that the Democrats might have 50, right, if, if Warnock wins oh, in Georgia. And, slim. you know, so that could be. And that completely changes the conversation. But it doesn't look like today the Democrats are going to have a Senate majority. Uh, let's not have any illusions about getting along with Mitch McConnell. I mean, you know, politicians have to talk that way on, on cable TV. I understand that. But... I'm not looking for anybody's vote and I don't have to talk that way. And it's not going to happen. We know it's not going to happen. It may on one or two small fig leaf things just for appearances sake, but he's going to block everything. He's going to secretly hope for a, you know, not very good economy. So they can blame it on, on uh, Biden and the Democrats going in 2022. And, uh, and that's his play. That's, that's what we know he's going to do. The Democrats, only alternative uh, strategy, it seems to me, is to try their best to make sure that America understands that these things would be happening were it not for Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans, that there'd be a $15 minimum wage, that there'd be a bill on infrastructure, that there'd be a bill expanding health care, that there'd be a bill protecting Voting Rights Act, that there'd be a bill uh, on rural broadband. And it's very important that they mention some rural stuff in there, some stuff in there for Red America. There'd be a bill doing something uh, to address the climate crisis. There'd be all these things if it weren't for Mitch McConnell saying no to all of them. And they have to spend two years persuading the American people and convincing the American people that the problems are not at the White House, the problems at the United States Senate. There, were, you know, there was a referendum on the Senate and it was in Iowa and it was in North Carolina. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it didn't work. No. Uh, in rural, uh, Teresa, a great candidate in Iowa talked about rural broadband every time I saw her on C-SPAN. Yeah. It didn't work. Well, maybe if you have a president who has the bully pulpit of the Oval Office saying it, it makes more difference. I yeah, don't know. It could be. Well, thanks. Abby, anything else from you? No. Um, this this um, moment to process, um, I think uh, Michigan was actually just called for Biden. Um, so we'll still be um, processing throughout the week, um, but um, this has been a, a really good conversation. Um, I think there's much work to do. Um, this is a steep hill that we're still climbing, um, unfortunately, but um, you know, at least we know where we stand now, so. Right, and uh, we're not even sure what's gonna become of this show. Now that November 4th has come and will soon go, but we uh, we hope to be back with you with uh, another uh, manifestation of a uh, prompting of a discussion about reimagining the country. So thanks to everybody for being with us all these weeks and months. Thank you all.